0: sketches by Bos, section fifty seven this librivox recording is in the public domain reading by brad philippone sketches by Bos by charles dickens section fifty seven tales chapter eleven the bloomsbury christening mr nicodemus dumps or as his acquaintance called him long dumps was a bachelor six feet high and fifty years old cross cadaverous odd and ill-natured he was never happy but when he was miserable and always miserable when he had the best reason to be happy the only real comfort of his existence was to make everybody about him wretched then he might be truly said to enjoy life He was afflicted with a situation in the bank worth five hundred a year, and he rented a first-floor furnished at Pentonville, which he originally took because it commanded a dismal prospect of an adjacent churchyard. He was familiar with the face of every tombstone, and the burial service seemed to excite his strongest sympathy. His friends said he was surly. He insisted he was nervous they thought him a lucky dog but he protested that he was the most unfortunate man in the world cold as he was and wretched as he declared himself to be he was not wholly unsusceptible of attachments he revered the memory of hoyle as he was himself an admirable and imperturbable whist-player and he chuckled with delight at a fretful and impatient adversary he adored king herod for his massacre of the innocents And if he hated one thing more than another it was a child however he could hardly be said to hate anything in particular because he disliked everything in general but perhaps his greatest antipathies were cabs old women doors that would not shut musical amateurs and omnibus cads he subscribed to the society for the suppression of vice for the pleasure of putting a stop to any harmless amusements and he contributed largely towards the support of two itinerant methodist parsons in the amiable hope that if circumstances rendered any people happy in this world they might perchance be rendered miserable by fears for the next mr dumps had a nephew who had been married about a year and who was somewhat of a favourite with his uncle because he was an admirable subject to exercise his misery creating powers upon mr charles Kitterbell, was a small, sharp, spare man, with a very large head, and a broad, good-humoured countenance. He looked like a faded giant, with the head and face partially restored, and he had a cast in his eye which rendered it quite impossible for any one with whom he conversed to know where he was looking. His eyes apparently fixed on the wall, and he was staring you out of countenance. In short, there was no catching his eye and perhaps it is a merciful dispensation of providence that such eyes are not catching. In addition to these characteristics, it may be added that Mr. Charles Kitterbill was one of the most credulous and matter-of-fact little personages that ever took to himself a wife and for himself a house in Great Russell Street, Bedford Square. Uncle Dumps always dropped the Bedford Square, and inserted in lieu thereof the dreadful words Tottingham Court Road." "'No, but, Uncle, pon my life, you must—you must promise to be godfather,' said Mr. Kitterbell, as he sat in conversation with his respected relative one morning. "'I cannot—indeed, I cannot,' returned Dumps. "'Well, but why not? Jemima will think it very unkind. It's very little trouble.' "'As to the trouble,' rejoined the most unhappy man in existence, "'I don't mind that. But my nerves are in that state.' i cannot go through the ceremony you know i don't like going out for god's sake charles don't fidget with that stool so you'll drive me mad mr kitterbell quite regardless of his uncle's nerves had occupied himself for some ten minutes in describing a circle on the floor with one leg of the office-stool on which he was seated keeping the other three up in the air and holding fast on by the desk "'I beg your pardon, uncle,' said Kitterbell, quite abashed, suddenly releasing his hold of the desk, and bringing the three wandering legs back to the floor with a force sufficient to drive them through it. "'But come, don't refuse. If it's a boy, you know we must have two godfathers.' "'If it's a boy,' said Dumps. "'Why can't you say at once whether it is a boy or not?' "'I should be very happy to tell you, but it's impossible I can undertake to say whether it's a girl or a boy if the child isn't born yet.' "'Not born yet,' echoed Dumps, with a gleam of hope, lighting up his lugubrious visage. "'Oh, well, it may be a girl, and then you won't want me. Or if it's a boy, it may die before it is christened.' "'I hope not,' said the father, that expected to be, looking very grave i hope not acquiesced dumps evidently pleased with the subject he was beginning to get happy i hope not but distressing cases frequently occur during the first two or three days of a child's life fits i am told are exceedingly common and alarming convulsions are almost matters of course lord uncle ejaculated little kitterbell gasping for breath "Yes." my landlady was confined let me see last tuesday an uncommonly fine boy on the thursday night the nurse was sitting with him upon her knee before the fire and he was as well as possible suddenly he became black in the face and alarmingly spasmodic the medical man was instantly sent for and every remedy was tried but how frightful interrupted the horror-stricken kitterbell The child died, of course. However, your child may not die. And if it should be a boy, and should live to be christened, why, I suppose I must be one of the sponsors. Dumps was evidently good-natured on the faith of his anticipations. Thank you, uncle, said his agitated nephew, grasping his hand as warmly as if he had done him some essential service. Perhaps I had better not tell Mrs. K. what you have mentioned. Well, she's low-spirited perhaps you had better not mention the melancholy case to her returned dumps who of course had invented the whole story though perhaps it would be but doing your duty as a husband to prepare her for the worst a day or two afterwards as dumps was perusing a morning paper at the chop-house which he regularly frequented the following paragraph met his eyes births on saturday the eighteenth instant in great russell street the lady of charles kitterbell esq of a son it is a boy he exclaimed dashing down the paper to the astonishment of the waiters it is a boy but he speedily regained his composure as his eye rested on a paragraph quoting the number of infant deaths from the bills of mortality six weeks passed away And, as no communication had been received from the Kitterbells, Dumps was beginning to flatter himself that the child was dead, when the following note painfully resolved his doubts. GREAT RUSSELL STREET, MONDAY MORNING Dear Uncle, you will be delighted to hear that my dear Jemima has left her room, and that your future godson is getting on capitally. He was very thin at first, but he is getting much larger, and Nurse says he is filling out every day he cries a good deal and is a very singular colour which made jemima and me rather uncomfortable but as nurse says it's natural and as of course we know nothing about these things yet we are quite satisfied with what nurse says we think he will be a sharp child and nurse says she's sure he will because he never goes to sleep you will readily believe that we are all very happy only we're a little worn out for want of rest as he keeps us awake all night But this we must expect, Nurse says, for the first six or eight months. He has been vaccinated, but in consequence of the operation being rather awkwardly performed, some small particles of glass were introduced into the arm with the matter. Perhaps this may in some degree account for his being rather fractious, at least so Nurse says. We propose to have him christened at twelve o'clock on Friday at St. George's Church in Hart Street by the name of Frederick Charles William." pray don't be later than a quarter before twelve we shall have a very few friends in the evening when of course we shall see you i am sorry to say that the dear boy appears rather restless and uneasy to-day the cause i fear is fever believe me dear uncle yours affectionately charles kitterbell p s i open this note to say that we have just discovered the cause of little frederick's restlessness it is not fever as i apprehended, but a small pin which nurse accidentally stuck in his leg yesterday evening we have taken it out and he appears more composed though he still sobs a good deal it is almost unnecessary to say that the perusal of the above interesting statement was no great relief to the mind of the hypochondriacal dumps it was impossible to recede however and so he put the best face that is to say an uncommonly miserable one upon the matter and purchased a handsome silver mug for the infant kitterbell upon which he ordered the initials f c w k with the customary untrained grape-vine-looking flourishes and a large full stop to be engraved forthwith monday was a fine day tuesday was delightful wednesday was equal to either and thursday was finer than ever four successive fine days in london hackney-coachmen became revolutionary and crossing-sweepers began to doubt the existence of a first cause the morning herald informed its readers that an old woman in camden town had been heard to say that the finest of the season was unprecedented in the memory of the oldest inhabitant and islington clerks with large families and small salaries left off their black gaiters disdained to carry their once green cotton umbrellas and walked to town in the conscious pride of white stockings and cleanly brushed bluchers dumps beheld all this with an eye of supreme contempt his triumph was at hand he knew that if it had been fine for four weeks instead of four days it would rain when he went out he was lugubriously happy in the conviction that friday would be a wretched day and so it was i knew how it would be said dumps as he turned round opposite the mansion house at half-past eleven o'clock on the friday morning i knew how it would be i am concerned and that's enough and certainly the appearance of the day was sufficient to depress the spirits of a much more buoyant-hearted individual than himself it had rained without a moment's cessation since eight o'clock everybody that passed up cheapside and down cheapside looked wet cold and dirty all sorts of forgotten and long-concealed umbrellas had been put into requisition cabs whisked about with the fair as carefully boxed up behind two glazed calico-curtains as any mysterious picture in any one of Mrs. Radcliffe's castles. Omnibus horses smoked like steam-engines. Nobody thought of standing up under doorways or arches. They were painfully convinced it was a hopeless case, and so everybody went hastily along, jumbling and jostling and swearing and perspiring and slipping about, like amateur skaters behind wooden chairs on the serpentine on a frosty Sunday dumps paused he could not think of walking being rather smart for the christening if he took a cab he was sure to be spilt and a hackney-coach was too expensive for his economical ideas an omnibus was waiting at the opposite corner it was a desperate case he had never heard of an omnibus upsetting or running away and if the cad did knock him down he could pull him up in return now sir cried the young gentleman who officiated as cad to the lads of the village which was the name of the machine just noticed dumps crossed this vay sir shouted the driver of the harkaway pulling up his vehicle immediately across the door of the opposition this vay sir he's full dumps hesitated whereupon the lads of the village commenced pouring out a torrent of abuse against the harkaway but the conductor of the admiral napier settled the contest in a most satisfactory matter for all parties by seizing dumps round the waist and thrusting him into the middle of his vehicle which had just come up and only wanted the sixteenth inside all right said the admiral and off the thing thundered like a fire-engine at full gallop with the kidnapped customer inside standing in the position of half a doubled-up boot-jack and falling about with every jerk of the machine first on the one side then on the other like a jack-in-the-green on may-day setting to the lady with a brass ladle For heaven's sake where am i to sit inquired the miserable man of an old gentleman into whose stomach he had just fallen for the fourth time anywhere but on my chest sir replied the old gentleman in a surly tone perhaps the box would suit the gentleman better suggested a very damp lawyer's clerk in a pink shirt and a smirking countenance after a great deal of struggling and falling about dumps at last managed to squeeze himself into a seat which in addition to the slight disadvantage of being between a window that would not shut and a door that must be open placed him in close contact with a passenger who had been walking about all the morning without an umbrella and who looked as if he had spent the day in a full water-butt only wetter don't bang the door so said dumps to the conductor as he shut it after letting out four of the passengers i'm very nervous it destroys me did any gentleman say anything replied the cad thrusting in his head and trying to look as if he didn't understand the request i told you not to bang the door so repeated dumps with an expression of countenance like the knave of clubs in convulsions oh for it's a very singular circumstance about this here door sir that it won't shut without banging replied the conductor and he opened the door very wide and shut it again with a terrific bang in proof of the assertion i beg your pardon sir said a little prim wheezing old gentleman sitting opposite dumps i beg your pardon sir but have you ever observed when you have been in an omnibus on a wet day that four people out of five always come in with large cotton umbrellas without a handle at the top or the brass spike at the bottom why sir returned dumps as he heard the clock strike twelve it never struck me before but now you mention it i-hollo hollo shouted the persecuted individual as the omnibus dashed past drury lane where he had directed to be set down where is the cad I think he's on the box, sir, said the young gentleman before noticing the pink shirt, which looked like a white one, ruled with red ink. I want to be set down, said Dumps in a faint voice, overcome by his previous efforts. I think these cads want to be set down, returned the attorney's clerk, chuckling at his sally. Hullo, cried Dumps again. Hullo, echoed the passengers. The omnibus passed St. Giles's Church. Hold hard, said the conductor i'm blowed if we hain't forgot the gentleman as was to be set down but dury lane now sir make haste if you please he added opening the door and assisting dumps out with as much coolness as if it was all right Dumps' indignation was for once getting the better of his cynical equanimity drury lane he gasped with the voice of a boy in a cold bath for the first time dury lane sir yes sir third turning on the right-hand side sir Dumps' passion was paramount he clutched his umbrella and was striding off with the firm determination of not paying the fare the cad by a remarkable coincidence happened to entertain a directly contrary opinion and heaven knows how far the altercation would have proceeded if it had not been most ably and satisfactorily brought to a close by the driver hullo said that respectable person standing up on the box and leaning with one hand on the roof of the omnibus hullo tom tell the gentleman if so be as he feels aggrieved we will take him up to Edgier Road for nothing and set him down at Dirty Lane when he comes back he can't reject that anyhow the argument was irresistible dumps paid the disputed sixpence and in a quarter of an hour was on the staircase of number fourteen great russell street everything indicated that preparations were making for the reception of a few friends in the evening Two dozen extra tumblers and four ditto wine-glasses, looking anything but transparent, with little bits of straw in them in the slab in the passage just arrived. There was a great smell of nutmeg, port wine, and almonds on the staircase. The covers were taken off the stair-carpet, and the figure of Venus on the first landing looked as if she were ashamed of the composition candle in her right hand, which contrasted beautifully with the lamp blacked drapery of the Goddess of Love. The female servant, who looked very warm and bustling, ushered dumps into a front drawing-room, very prettily furnished, with a plentiful sprinkling of little baskets, paper table-mats, china-watchmen, pink and gold albums, and rainbow-bound little books on the different tables. "'Ah, uncle,' said Mr. Kitterbell, "'how d'ye do? Allow me, Jemima, my dear, my uncle. I think you've seen Jemima before, sir.' have had the pleasure returned big dumps his tone and look making it doubtful whether in his life he had ever experienced the sensation i'm sure said mrs kitterbell with a languid smile and a slight cough i'm sure him any friend of charles's him, much less a relation is i knew you'd say so my love said little kitterbell who while he appeared to be gazing on the opposite houses was looking at his wife with a most affectionate air bless you the last two words were accompanied with a simper and a squeeze of the hand which stirred up all uncle dump's bile jane tell nurse to bring down baby said mrs kitterbell addressing the servant Mrs. Kitterbell was a tall, thin young lady, with very light hair, and a particularly white face, one of those young women who almost invariably, though one hardly knows why, recall to one's mind the idea of a cold fillet of veal. Out went the servant, and in came the nurse, with a remarkably small parcel in her arms, picked up in a blue mantle trimmed with white fur. This was the baby.' now uncle said mr kitterbell lifting up that part of the mantle which covered the infant's face with an air of great triumph who do you think he's like he yes who said mrs k putting her arm through her husband's and looking up into dump's face with an expression of as much interest as she was capable of displaying good god how small he is cried the amiable uncle starting back with well feigned surprise remarkably small indeed do you think so inquired poor little kitterbell rather alarmed he's a monster to what he was ain't he nurse he's a dear said the nurse squeezing the child and evading the question not because she scrupled to disguise the fact but because she couldn't afford to throw away the chance of Dumps' half-crown well but who is he like inquired little kitterbell dumps looked at the little pink heap before him and only thought at the moment of the best mode of mortifying the youthful parents. "'I really don't know who he's like,' he answered, very well knowing the reply expected of him. "'Don't you think he's like me?' inquired his nephew, with a knowing air. Oh, decidedly not,' returned Dumps, with an emphasis not to be misunderstood. "'Decidedly not like you? Oh, certainly not.' "'Like Jemima?' asked Kitterbell, faintly. "'Oh, dear, no, not in the least.' "'I'm no judge, of course, in such cases, but I really think he's more like one of those little carved representations that one sometimes sees blowing a trumpet on a tombstone.' The nurse stooped down over the child, and with great difficulty prevented an explosion of mirth. Pa and Ma looked almost as miserable as their amiable uncle. "'Well,' said the disappointed little father, "'you'll be better able to tell what he's like by and by.' "'You shall see him this evening with his mantle off.' "'Thank you,' said Dumps, feeling particularly grateful. "'Now, my love,' said Kitterbell to his wife, "'it's time we were off. "'We're to meet the other godfather and the godmother at the church, uncle. "'Mr. and Mrs. Wilson from over the way. "'Uncommonly nice people. "'My love, are you well wrapped up?' "'Yes, dear.' "'Are you sure you won't have another shawl?' inquired the anxious husband. "'No, sweet.' returned the charming mother accepting dumps's proffered arm and the little party entered the hackney-coach that was to take them to the church dumps amusing mrs kitterbell by expatiating largely on the danger of measles thrush teeth-cutting and other interesting diseases to which children are subject the ceremony which occupied about five minutes passed off without anything particular occurring the clergyman had to dine some distance from town and had two churchings three christenings and a funeral to perform in something less than an hour the godfathers and godmother therefore promised to renounce the devil and all his works and all that sort of thing as little kitterbell said in less than no time and with the exception of dumps nearly letting the child fall into the font when he handed it to the clergyman the whole affair went off in the usual business-like and matter-of-course manner and dumps re-entered the bank gates at two o'clock with a heavy heart and the painful conviction that he was regularly booked for an evening party evening came and so did dumps pumps black silk stockings and white cravat which he had ordered to be forwarded per boy from pentonville the depressed godfather dressed himself at a friend's counting-house from whence with his spirits fifty degrees below proof he sallied forth as the weather had cleared up and the evening was tolerably fine to walk great russell street slowly he paced up cheapside newgate street down snow hill and up holborn ditto looking as grim as the figurehead of a man-of-war and finding out fresh causes of misery at every step as he was crossing the corner of hatton garden a man apparently intoxicated rushed against him and would have knocked him down had he not been providentially caught by a very genteel young man who happened to be close to him at the time the shock so disarranged dumps's nerves as well as his dress that he could hardly stand the gentleman took his arm and in the kindest manner walked with him as far as furnival's inn dumps for about the first time in his life felt grateful and polite and he and the gentlemanly-looking young man parted with mutual expressions of goodwill. There are at least some well-disposed men in the world," ruminated the misanthropical dumps as he proceeded towards his destination. Rat tat, tararararat! Knocked a hackney coachman at Kitterbell's door in imitation of a gentleman servant, just as dumps reached it. And out came an old lady in a large toque and an old gentleman in a blue coat and three female copies of the old lady in pink dresses and shoes to match it's a large party sighed the unhappy godfather wiping the perspiration from his forehead and leaning against the area railings it was some time before the miserable man could muster up courage to knock at the door and when he did the smart appearance of a neighbouring greengrocer who had been hired to wait for seven-and-sixpence and and whose calves alone were worth double the money the lamp in the passage and the venus in the landing added to the hum of many voices and the sound of a harp and two violins painfully convinced him that his surmises were all but too well founded how are you said little kitterbell in greater bustle than ever bolting out of the little back parlour with a corkscrew in his hand and various particles of sawdust looking like so many inverted commas on his inexpressibles good god said dumps turning into the aforesaid parlour to put his shoes on which he had brought in his coat pocket and still more appalled by the sight of seven fresh-drawn corks and a corresponding number of decanters how many people are there upstairs oh not above thirty-five we've had the carpet taken up in the back drawing-room and the piano and the card-tables are in the front jemima thought we'd better have a regular sit-down supper in the front parlour because of the speechifying and all that but lord uncle what's the matter continued the excited little man as Dumps stood with one shoe on rummaging his pockets with a most frightful distortion of visage what have you lost your pocket-book no returned dumps diving first into one pocket and then into the other and speaking in a voice like desdemona with the pillow over her mouth your card-case snuff-box the key of your lodgings continued kitterbell pouring question on question with the rapidity of lightning no no ejaculated dumps still diving eagerly into his empty pockets not-not the mug you spoke of this morning yes the mug replied dumps sinking into a chair how could you have done it inquired Kitterbell. are you sure you brought it out yes yes i see it all said dumps starting up as the idea flashed across his mind miserable dog that i am i was born to suffer i see it all it was the gentlemanly-looking young man mr dumps shouted the greengrocer in a stentorian voice as he ushered the somewhat recovered godfather into the drawing-room half an hour after the above declaration mr dumps everybody looked at the door and in came dumps feeling about as much out of place as a salmon might be supposed to be on a gravel walk happy to see you again said mrs kitterbell quite unconscious of the unfortunate man's confusion and misery you must allow me to introduce you to a few of our friends my mamma mr dumps my papa and sisters dumps seized the hand of the mother as warmly as if she was his own parrot bowed to the young ladies and against the gentleman behind him and took no notice whatever of the father who had been bowing incessantly for three minutes and a quarter uncle said little kitterbell after dumps had been introduced to a select dozen or two you must let me lead you to the other end of the room to introduce you to my friend danton such a splendid fellow i'm sure you'll like him this way dumps followed as tractably as a tame bear mr danton was a young man of about five-and-twenty with a considerable stock of impudence and a very small share of ideas he was a great favourite especially with young ladies of from sixteen to twenty-six years of age both inclusive he could imitate the french horn to admiration sang comic songs most inimitably and had the most insinuating way of saying impertinent nothings to his doting female admirers he had acquired somehow or other the reputation of being a great wit and accordingly whenever he opened his mouth everybody who knew him laughed very heartily the introduction took place in due form mr danton bowed and twirled a lady's handkerchief which he held in his hand in a most common way everybody smiled very warm said dumps feeling it necessary to say something yes it was warmer yesterday returned the brilliant mr danton a general laugh "'I have great pleasure in congratulating you on your first appearance in the character of a father, sir,' he continued, addressing Dumps. "'Godfather, I mean.' The young ladies were convulsed, and the gentlemen in ecstasies. A general hum of admiration interrupted the conversation, and announced the entrance of nurse with the baby. A universal rush of the young ladies immediately took place. Girls are always so fond of babies in company. "'Oh, you dear said one how sweet cried another in a low tone of the most enthusiastic admiration heavenly added a third oh what dear little arms said a fourth holding up an arm and fist about the size and shape of the leg of a fowl cleanly picked did you ever said a little coquette with a large bustle who looked like a french lithograph appealing to a gentleman in three waistcoats did you ever never in my life returned her admirer pulling up his collar oh do let me take it nurse cried another young lady the love can it open its eyes nurse inquired another affecting the utmost innocence suffice it to say that the single ladies unanimously voted him an angel and that the married ones nem con agreed that he was decidedly the finest baby they had ever beheld except their own the quadrilles were resumed with great spirit mr danton was universally admitted to be beyond himself several young ladies enchanted the company and gained admirers by singing we met i saw her at the fancy fair and other equally sentimental and interesting ballads the young men as mrs kitterbull said made themselves very agreeable the girls did not lose their opportunity and the evening promised to go off excellently dumps didn't mind it he had devised a plan for himself a little bit of fun in his own way and he was almost happy he played a rubber and lost every point mr danton said he could not have lost every point because he made a point of losing everybody laughed tremendously dumps retorted with a better joke and nobody smiled with the exception of the host who seemed to consider it his duty to laugh till he was black in the face at everything there was only one drawback the musicians did not play with quite as much spirit as could have been wished the cause however was satisfactorily explained for it appeared on the testimony of a gentleman who had come up from gravesend in the afternoon that they had been engaged on board a steamer all day and had played almost without cessation all the way to gravesend and all the way back again the sit-down supper was excellent there were four barley-sugar temples at the table which would have looked beautiful had they not melted away when the supper began and a water-mill whose only fault was that instead of going round it ran over the table-cloth then there were fowls and tongue and trifle and sweets and lobster salad and potted beef and everything and little kitterbell kept calling out for clean plates and the clean plates did not come and then the gentlemen who wanted the plates said they didn't mind they'd take a lady's and then mrs kitterbell applauded their gallantry and the greengrocer ran about till he thought his seven-and-sixpence was very hardly earned and the young ladies didn't eat much for fear it shouldn't look romantic and the married ladies eat as much as possible for fear they shouldn't have enough and a great deal of wine was drunk and everybody talked and laughed considerably hush hush said mr kitterbell rising and looking important my love this was addressed to his wife at the other end of the table take care of mrs maxwell and your mamma and the rest of the married ladies the gentlemen will persuade the young ladies to fill their glasses i am sure ladies and gentlemen said long dumps in a very sepulchre voice and rueful accent rising from his chair like the ghost in don juan will you have the kindness to charge your glasses i am desirous of proposing a toast a dead silence ensued and the glasses were filled everybody looked serious ladies and gentlemen slowly continued the ominous dumps I here mr danton imitated two notes from the french horn in a very loud key which electrified the nervous toast proposer and convulsed his audience order order said little kitterbell endeavouring to suppress his laughter order said the gentleman danton be quiet said a particular friend on the opposite end of the table ladies and gentlemen resumed dumps somewhat recovered and not much disconcerted for he was always a pretty good hand at a speech in accordance with what is i believe the established usage on these occasions i as one of the godfathers of master frederick charles william kitterbell here the speaker's voice faltered for he remembered the mug venture to rise to propose a toast i need hardly say that it is the health and prosperity of that young gentleman the particular event of whose early life we are here met to celebrate applause ladies and gentlemen it is impossible to suppose that our friends here whose sincere well-wishers we all are can pass through life without some trials considerable suffering severe affliction and heavy losses here the arch-traitor paused and slowly drew forth a long white pocket-handkerchief his example was followed by several ladies that these trials may be long spared them is my most earnest prayer my most fervent wish a distinct sob from the grandmother i hope and trust ladies and gentlemen that the infant whose christening we have this evening met to celebrate may not be removed from the arms of his parents by premature decay several cambrics were in requisition that his young and now apparently healthy form may not be wasted by lingering disease here dumps cast a sardonic glance around for a great sensation was manifest among the married ladies you i am sure will concur with me in wishing that he may live to be a comfort and blessing to his parents hear hear and an audible sob from mr kitterbell but should he not be what we could wish should he forget in after times the duty which he owes to them should they unhappily experience that distracting truth how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child here mrs Kitterbell, with her handkerchief to her eyes and accompanied by several ladies rushed from the room and went into violent hysterics in the passage leaving her better half in almost as bad a condition and a general impression in dumps's favour for people like sentiment after all it need hardly be added that this occurrence quite put a stop to the harmony of the evening vinegar hartshorn and cold water were now as much in request as negus rout cakes and bonbons had been a short time before mrs kitterbell was immediately conveyed to her apartment the musicians were silenced, flirting ceased and the company slowly departed dumps left the house at the commencement of the bustle and walked home with a light step and for him a cheerful heart his landlady who slept in the next room has offered to make oath that she heard him laugh in his peculiar manner after he had locked his door the assertion however is so improbable and bears on the face of it such strong evidence of untruth But it has never obtained credence to this hour the family of mr kitterbell has considerably increased since the period to which we have referred he now has two sons and a daughter and as he expects at no distant period to have another addition to his blooming progeny he is anxious to secure an eligible godfather for the occasion he is determined however to impose upon him two conditions he must bind himself by a solemn obligation not to make any speech after supper and it is indispensable that he should be in no way connected with the most miserable man in the world end of section fifty seven